Welcome to episode 266 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada. We've got a lot to talk about on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm sorry that Tony hijacked the last show. Uh, he may come back every once in a while, maybe just as a guest. We might not do whole episodes with him. Um, but there's a lot going on in the pinball world. And you might know by the music we played at the beginning of this show uh, that we're definitely going to jump into the confirmation that happened this weekend at the Vancouver show uh, by American Pinball. Now, I have to just find um, some irony in this sort of strategy, okay? So let me, just, let me just tell you what goes on inside my little marketing head, okay? So let's just get this straight. I'm going I'm to break it down in one simple sentence. American Pinball announces in Canada their next title is about a European festival nobody in America cares about. You can't write this stuff any better than this. I mean, it's just too funny. It's too comical. But we finally got confirmation about American Pinball's uh, sophomoric title, Oktoberfest. And it's probably one of the worst-kept secrets in pinball uh, next to the Beatles and Munsters. Uh, so let's talk about that because I do find it you know, funny that we're getting confirmation uh, way before a game is even shown. And I, but you know, as Joe said, people sort of uncovered the fact that they were filing for the trademark months ago, and that's how it, it got out. Now, let me ask you guys a question because I'm curious about this. So, why is it that nobody knows what Stern's next titles are? Okay, are, are are the the filings for trademark are are they more secretive in how Stern does it? But for the most part, it just feels like we're in a complete uh, dark space when it comes to Stern's 2019 titles. So does that mean they haven't filed for trademarks, or does Stern uh, file for lots of trademarks that you just don't know what's next? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think if you dug a little deeper, people might find out what is coming from Stern now. Here's how I want to tackle Oktoberfest. And you know me. I've been down on this title and this theme for a long time. And I'll tell you why. Um, and I, I look, and I only know what I know, which is what you know, which is just the theme of the game. And so, yes, there is something completely missing from my assessment and my opinion about it. And that's the actual game itself. So we're going we're gonna to say um, that, of course... Of course, I can't wait to see what they put together. Of course, uh, I will uh, look at the game with open eyes. I, but that doesn't mean this is a theme I want. And, and, and you, you don't have to uh, celebrate and welcome every new pinball theme that gets announced in the world, okay? And yes, a game can go in a million different directions. So we know absolutely nothing. We do know this. What we do know is that American Pinball does put a lot into their games. Okay, I make fun of Houdini because I think it shoots poorly. And I think a lot of you agree. I think the shots are really tight. Now, the reason why shows like this, we tell the truth about how a game shoots, is because I hope Joe and Josh, who probably listen to this show, when they design uh, Oktoberfest, they realize that don't make the game too tight. Don't make the game frustrating. Because... That takes away from the enjoyment 
of the game itself. So I hope that they design Oktoberfest to have shots that aren't completely frustrating to hit. Because I think Houdini is a terrible Brickfest. And I've said it from the first moment I plunged it to having put about 50 games on Houdini. I still think the layout is it was rushed. And I think they had to rush it. Now, they didn't have to rush Oktoberfest, all right? But here's the thing, and we're going to talk about why I believe theme is so critically important uh, for a pinball company to succeed, and especially for new pinball companies that are trying to make it. Theme is almost everything, and and I want to explain uh, why that is. And so, first of all, if you have to start convincing people that it's a good theme, that it could work, then you've probably picked a bad theme. Like it, it right, right from the get go. If I put 15 themes up on a wall and you were to tell me which one would make a great pinball machine, I highly doubt that Oktoberfest would come to the top of the list. And the other thing that I find completely comical about this theme is people will post links to Oktoberfest Wikipedia page uh, where it talks about the popularity of the festival and then people will be like, well, it's nothing to sneeze at that all these millions of people enjoy Oktoberfest. All right, here's the problem when you do stuff like that is you're, you're failing to realize the context by which uh, your main buyer base uh, it, you know, believes in. Okay, what I mean by that is like, I'll, ask, I'll, do, I'll, I'll say it in a different way. Do you know what the number one selling fruit is in the world? The number one selling fruit in the entire world. If you were going to base a pinball machine around a fruit, the number one in the world is the mango. Okay? The mango. Do you know what uh, mango's position in popularity is in the United States? It is the 22nd most popular fruit. Uh, the reason I know that is we do the PR for the mango board. Uh, but see, that's the problem with Oktoberfest and making this a theme in America, is that this is the number one pinball buying market. It is by far the number one pinball buying market, way more than Europe, okay? And so because of that, you're basically making a theme that most people who live in the predominant buying market of your product are not fans of. So why would you make a game based on something that doesn't resonate with the main audience of pinball? Okay, so literally, like I just don't understand why you would make it harder on yourself versus something that is easier on yourself. So let's say you want to make a pinball machine about beer and carnival rides and drinking and roller coasters and all the stuff that I think I see in these photos of Oktoberfest and women with you know with their cleavage hanging out, all the things you see when you Google Oktoberfest. Could you not come up with a different, more relatable, American-themed version of those elements? I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying I, I, it's, it's kind of strange to me that you pick uh, a festival that's just not big here unless you only want to sell your games in Cincinnati, which apparently is a city that celebrates Oktoberfest. All right. The other thing, you know, when they, when they show the title, and I, I just don't... I know they had to show it early, but it's just a shame because I just still can't, for the life of me, get over the fact that Stern Pinball 
is the most profitable pinball company in the world and they have shown us time and time again how to properly reveal, release, and make money in the pinball industry. And then every boutique which tries to take some of that money and market share from Stern, they always fumble how they announce and reveal and release their games. And it's just kind of head-scratching. Like, how many times are people going to try and do it differently and ultimately end up failing to create the kind of hype and the kind of fear of missing out and the kind of, like, I have to buy it now sort of environment that Stern masterfully creates with each of their launches. Now, here's the thing. Uh, When are we going to see Oktoberfest? So... We hear that the reveal is going to happen at Expo of 2018 in October. All right. So what what does that mean? Does that mean does that mean we're going to see the game or does that mean the game is going to be ready for production? Now I heard they're going to come with maybe two or three examples of Oktoberfest to be on the floor. Okay. But here again, are they falling into the same trap that these boutique manufacturers always fall into. And if you're listening to me, Josh, and you're listening to me, Joe, because you must listen to this show, uh, you should not reveal your game at Expo, bring it to Expo, if this game is not ready to go into immediate production. Okay, it, it absolutely makes no sense to do it that way. And I highly doubt that they are all tooled up, that they are all ready to go, to put this game into production. And the reason why I think they're going to make a mistake is, first and foremost, I think Pinball Expo, and you guys have probably seen the thread on Pinside uh, with Mike and 35 years of putting on Expo and all the drama surrounding Expo. I don't even want to get into it. But I want to say this. Pinball Expo is no longer the show anymore. It is probably... I think one of the worst pinball shows that happens in the country. All right, there's so many better shows in Pittsburgh, TPF, Allentown, Vancouver, so many better places. So many so much more positive vibes and energy uh going on. Uh and yet Chicago Expo still remains in people's minds as like the place to reveal games. And that is all leftover uh, baggage, not baggage, but just leftover prominence from the show of yesteryears that it used to be, which is where people would reveal their games so that operators and distributors could see what's coming out next and, and place their orders. And this was at a time when Games like Adam's Family would sell 20,000 units and it would be shown at Pinball Expo beforehand. And I think a lot of people have a lot of stars in their eyes about what that show was. That show is no longer around. That show no longer means that. Uh, That show is now, I think, probably the worst place to reveal your game. And also the show is irrelevant. Let's be honest. The majority of people who are buying these games are home collectors. They, everyone now has access to something called the internet that you could reveal or tease or talk about or release your product in 2018 using this new medium called a computer and using this new distribution channel called the internet to actually get 
people excited about your game and you can actually get more eyeballs on whatever your new product is using this great new invention called the internet and the computer okay and it just it's funny how these uh, these sh- these like companies, they show up at these shows, and I, I was going to talk a little bit about this with um, Jersey Jack, but they show up at these shows with probably the worst PowerPoint presentations I've ever seen. It, it you know it's funny to me, and and I was laughing when I saw a picture of Jack with his PowerPoint behind him, and it's and it's sort of like the basic PowerPoint slides. Here's the irony in that. These companies don't even understand how to make PowerPoint wide, all right? They don't know how to make the slides wide so it fills the whole screen. And yet, Jack, all he does is make wide body pins, but he can't figure out how to make a a wide screen version of PowerPoint, which, by the way, looks so much nicer, okay? It's like going from the normal TV frame to the wide screen view that we watch TV now. And these companies' PowerPoint presentations are so embarrassingly bad, I, I just don't get it. Um, but anyway, my point is this. You got this game Oktoberfest. You want to get people excited. You want to get people like into the theme. You've got, you know you've got some hurdles to overcome because it's not the most popular theme. I, I just hope they utilize some better marketing tools to get people excited about the game versus the same old boring model of launching games where you go to expo with two to three, you do a boring ass seminar, you pull the curtain off it, nobody in the room can even see the game, uh, people are struggling to like take photos, you don't have high-res images ready, you don't have high-res video ready for the internet, and the first time people see your product that you've worked on for a really long time comes to the world via crappy cell phone videos and crappy cell phone photographs okay see that's the problem that is the problem is like these these companies they literally don't utilize the easiest way to get people excited about their games okay so what else do I want to talk about when it comes to Oktoberfest so if you think theme doesn't matter and you think theme uh it can be overcome by a great shooting pinball machine. I, I want everyone to realize that I am n- not necessarily sure that if the game is good, that that will override a bad theme. Okay, and, and here's the best example of that. You take the best pinball designer in the history of pinball. Okay, he's the guy that designed the game that is sold the most ever. Uh, and I think people would not argue that he is probably the greatest pinball designer ever. Uh, I know Steve Ritchie might have sold the most in volume, but I don't think you'd get many people that would argue against the fact that Pat Lawler is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, pinball designer ever. That he does everything from licensed themes to original themes. His designs are always unique and creative and interesting. And he knows how to give good flow. He's got great toys and mechs. And he has a mind for pinball that I think we all agree on, right? Okay. Now, Pat Lawler gets picked up by Jersey Jack Pinball. All right. Spends five years making a game. Five years making a game. Uh, Gets to do whatever he wants. Jack does not chain him to a bomb or to anything put whatever you want in this game this is like his opus his 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 like uh you know his his magnum opus and what happens 
the game flops because it's dialed in because it's a theme that just doesn't resonate now let me we're going to talk about jersey jack pinball volume of sales but i'll just say this dialed in has not to date even sold near 2000 units now here's the problem with that is pat lawler in with his new game that everyone was waiting forever for in a climate in which people are, are buying way more way more than that stern games uh, and, and we all know dialed in is uh, got more in it than than any stern any stern and yet stern is running circles around that game in sales like stern will sell more they will sell more deadpool pros than dialed in ever sold and it was not designed over five years. It doesn't have the same design as like, uh, you know, a Pat Lawler machine. But it's just, again, you guys all have to agree that theme is so much more important than people realize. And I do think that when this game comes out, it's going to have to be absolutely amazing and magical to overcome the theme issue. And I, I, I look forward to seeing it. I think revealing it at Expo will be a humongous mistake if the game is not on the line. I don't think you can show a game and then tell people, oh, it's going to ship in six months. I think that's silly. What they need to do is show the game when it's ready to go in a box. Uh, I think this is also probably happening because Houdini sales have probably flatlined completely. I still see Houdini's inbox at distributors ready to ship tomorrow. I, I think that game uh, was another, you know, didn't take off as much as they thought it would. All right. Anything else I want to talk about? Um, nope. I think that's it. So we look forward to seeing the game in a couple months. Uh, but if they were smart and the game's not ready to be made, they should hold back. All right. Let's move on to Spooky Pinball. Got a lot of news to talk about. So, look. Spooky Pinball is is really in an interesting place right now. And there's a lot going on. We've, they're coming to the end of total nuclear annihilation. Uh, there's something like 550 that I think will be made before Charlie says we're not making any more for a while. But we might make them again. And it's got to be a bit of humble pie that Scott Denise's game uh, has sold the most by far out of any spooky title. And it just kind of begs the question, wouldn't spooky pinball be better if Scott Denisi were in charge of game design and not Charlie? Um, but, and because this is not a spooky game. I mean, let's, let's, let's really be honest. This is not a spooky game. This wasn't a game that was designed by spooky. It wasn't a game that they made. It wasn't a game. And it, 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 this is Scott Denisi's game. They simply manufactured it. This is a Scott Denise game manufactured by Spooky. And the reason I say that, it's still yet to be seen if Spooky can make a game that there is uh, enough demand to sell 500 or more. And Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle is that test for Charlie. Now, there's one thing that just keeps on sort of sticking out like an indicator, a red flag, a warning sign about the the demand for Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. And that is the fact that that gentleman who's trying to sell his 66th spot in line for Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle cannot find a single person to take it off his hands, which means there's nobody 
that wants the game early or can cut the line and get it like it's 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 kind of a bad indicator that you could have this game much earlier than others and nobody wants it so what what does that mean does that mean there's not one person on the fence who now has an easier way to get it uh, who's willing to make the plunge and and I think what's going to happen and I've said it before is you know we're we're about to embark on a journey of of 18 months to make all of these games 18 months all right between production begins and the production ends a year and a half of them making Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle and look I I just think demand for the game is already already starting to dissipate and excitement for this title is is not where it needs to be um, going into production and and this is nobody's fault again nobody's fault but Chuck's and I'll explain why again back to my earlier point about how you market and sell a pinball machine why did Charlie show this game Ask, let me ask you this question why did he show this game seven months ago seven months ago he showed this game with pretty much incomplete code why why did he did he need to lock in those thousand dollar non-refundable deposits then did he need to do that um, I think he did it because he didn't he probably was afraid that at that same show we were also supposed to see monster bash remake which we didn't um, and I think he didn't want to get lost in 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 the sea of new titles right and so he wanted to get out early now here's the problem he showed his he showed his cards seven months early. And luckily for him, luckily, which I think he, look, he, it's like it's like Charlie inter- got, got lucky and got an interception but then fumbled the ball on the run back. This is where they fumbled everything. He got so lucky that Monster Bash remake was not revealed at TPF. He also got seven months where, where he had no Monster Bash remake out there in the world. No, nothing available, nothing seen. So he could have been shipping games and taking orders and manu- and like basically during a window in which people wouldn't want their money back because uh, they didn't see an alternative to spending their money. Now, look, it. How do you not? How do you not put Monster Bash remake and Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle in a little bit of a similar theme set? in a little bit of a similar category of pinball. And we know, we know when you put Monster Bash Remake next to Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, we know which is going to be the better game. It's not really a fair competition, uh, but it's just going to be really difficult for people to still want to stay in on, I believe, Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle when they see Monster Bash Remake. And Chuck had it, man. He had seven months Seven freaking months Chuck had to get people their Alice Coopers and, and, and be well into production. And here we are. Here we are. It's September. All right. It's, it's almost the middle of September. And how many people have opened up their Alice Cooper Nightmare Castles? How many? I, I don't think anyone has one in their home yet. And so that is why spot number 66 is not selling. And that is where Chuck is at. And, you know, hopefully he's learned a lesson. Again, stop showing these games so early. You have, and you look, you're always going to get hype 
look, even me, man, I, when I saw... When I saw Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle for the first time, I went up and I shake Charlie's hand and I said he had a beautiful game and I was excited to see it and this and that. That's how that's what pinball does to us. All right, there is like a two to three week period of complete excitement and enthusiasm for every new pin. And then we think about it, we second guess the game, and then we start to sort of look at it more critically, and then we start to like get more judgmental because as it becomes clear uh, that this might be something that we're going to buy, we're a, a lot more critical of a pinball machine when it's now time to pay up. You know, and I do, I think this $1,000 lock in your deposit, non-refundable thing, it's going to totally backfire on Chuck. It's going to absolutely backfire. He's going to end up with people who want out and there, no one's going to buy their spots. There, some people might want out and they might lose their money. Do you think Charlie is really? Because I don't think he's gonna. I don't. I don't think he wants to be in this position, because I do think Charlie is a nice guy. I don't think he wants to be in a position where he basically keeps someone's money and doesn't send them a game. It, but that's the agreement and the contract he's put himself and his customers in. I mean, imagine he has to tell someone, "Sorry, you lose your money." So what happens then? You've got a pissed now. You've got someone pissed off and disappointed, and you know they're they're not going to really be. It's not like they're pissed at Chuck. They they agreed to it. Like they knew it was non-refundable. So, so it's not like he changed the game on people, but they're just going to be pissed at themselves that they went in early on a game that they never played and now they don't want, or something happened in their life financially and they can't afford it and they lose the money. And I, and I just don't think those negative vibes will do this company any good, all right? It's just not going to... I don't think it's going to work out. I really don't. The, if Chuck were smart, smarter about this situation, I think he would have just made one version of the game. And the only thing you can customize maybe is the butter cabinet decals. But, you know, you order... You know, that's it. But for the most part, just make, if you make one version of the game without a lot of options, then people don't have to... Uh, customize and you don't get stuck holding someone's custom order but we'll see what happens I'm really I just want people to get this game because more than anything I want people to let us know how good it is or not and and real you know honest people I want crazy levy to tell me how it shoots all right all right well look let's talk about Godzilla for a second because I don't get this part of, of the whole spooky narrative because I was reading this and look you have to ask yourself how did how did Stern know about Toto Godzilla, whatever the company is, like the obscure Godzilla license that Stern went in and took from Charlie? How did they know he wanted to make that game? Um, how did they know he was going after it? Right. So here's here's how they knew, because Charlie like spoke that about it, like he he talks, and it's like it's like he doesn't understand that he's actually in a competitive business. He, that, that his competition, if they know his intentions, will hurt him, will use that information to screw him. And look, he lost his dream theme because of that. It's like he couldn't keep his mouth shut about it and go get the license. Instead, he told people, and what happened? The license is gone now. And, and not only that, Stern's making it. It must be like the biggest slap in the face, kick to the gut that, I mean, imagine losing your dream theme to this big competitor 
Uh, all because you couldn't just go get it without speaking up. And, and that's, that's what happens with, uh, and it's not just Charlie that does this. So many people talk and blab and speak. You know, they go to shows, they go to people's parties, they drink, and they open their mouth about the next titles. Jack does it all the time. He does it all the time. Charlie does it all the time. You know, they always have to like share with who they think are their confidants the news. But here's the problem. Nothing ever remains a secret in this hobby. And Terry at Pinball Life knows everybody's secrets. If you want to go to a source who knows what what's happening everywhere, it's him because he gets everybody their parts for the most part and he knows what they're working on. Um, and look, you should make people sign non-disclosure agreements. Everyone who works for a pinball company should be under NDA. And you've got to take those NDAs seriously. I mean, they are ironclad. They, they can help or hurt a, they, a company. And for these smaller boutiques... They can almost put a pinball company out of business if, if, they, if, you know, if it costs them titles that would have been huge hits for them, especially if you lose it to a competitor. But here's the part about Charlie I just don't get. I just don't get. Uh, you know, he said something on his podcast that he knows who's making Godzilla pinball, and he was sort of waving that around like it's some badge of honor, and he's like, I bet other pinball podcasters would love to know who's making Godzilla pinball. And Charlie, I hate to break it to you, but that's like kind of saying, hey man, I know who's going to bang my girlfriend. I know who's going to bang her. And I, I bet you would love to know too. It's like, uh, man, that's not really something you should be boasting about. It's actually kind of sad that Stern is making your dream theme. All right, Maybe you have to spin it in your head somehow to feel better about it. But it's a humongous blow. And I think it, it hopefully will wake Charlie up to the fact that nobody out there who's trying to sell games at the same time he is wants uh, him, him to succeed over them. It's competition. All right? It's competition. The fact that he offered to help Stern make this game, I think that says what you need to know about where his mindset is in, in this world. This is not, we are the world, Charlie. This is not like everyone band together to help third world countries. You're trying to sell a pinball machine, Charlie, to white or upper middle class, wealthy men who have money to burn. This is not charity work, all right? You, you have to understand that. Okay, now speaking of rumors and spooky though, so maybe the reason why Chuck is saying he's not devastated completely about the loss of Godzilla is I'm hearing that the theme they secured, which is the theme they wanted, that I, I'm pretty, you know, I hear they're going to make this game um, if he says otherwise, but I heard that Spooky Pinball uh, is going to be making Stranger Things Pinball. Stranger Things. So that is the rumor I'm hearing that, that Spooky Pinball has secured the license to Stranger Things. I may be wrong, but that is what I'm hearing in Pinball. All right, let's see. Uh, I was going to talk about how uh, Hilton considers Charlie to be like this amazing designer, but I just, I'm just i not even going to give the guy airtime. All right, let's go into Jersey Jack Pinball. So at the Vancouver show... Uh, I heard that Jersey Jack asked Jack Danger to stream Pirates of the Caribbean. And he asked Jack to do it. He knows Jack's popularity. He knows a lot of people watch Dead Flip. 
Uh, I want to say that when Jack streamed uh, Deadpool, he had 9,000 people watching live, which is incredible. I mean, it's probably the most amount of people watching uh, pinball live at one time. It's also a very, very low number when you look at major video game streams and it's like in the millions. But anyway, anyway, we won't go there. We'll, we'll let you guys feel like pinball's back. I know you, you have this desire to feel like pinball is like relevant and back in 2018. I hate to break it to you. It's not. All right. Anyway, so he streams the show at the Vancouver show. I was watching the stream from the very beginning. And what happens? What happens? Okay. So let, let, let's, let's talk about this from uh, the perspective of Jack is doing Jack at Jersey Jack. How many Jacks can I say in one sentence? A game about Jack Sparrow. Um, he's doing him a favor by doing this stream. Okay. All right. So here's what happens. When Jack Danger goes to start playing the game, what happens? There's absolute total confusion on what to do in the game, which is all right. It's a new pinball machine. Um, but nothing, all right, when you walk up to this game, nothing about how to play the game is intuitive. You just don't know what to do. And and it's kind of comical because Jack was surrounded by a few people. He was playing a four-person game. And everyone was sort of chiming in and trying to explain what to do. But I, I still, you could see it on Jack's face. He was just kind of confused as to what to do. Now, here's the part I don't get. If you're Jersey Jack and you want him to stream your game live for people, remember, these videos go live, but then they also live forever on the internet, you would think Jack would have gone over with Jack Danger and explained to him how to play the game, right? That's what you do. That's called marketing. You don't let the media go off and try to figure it out on their own, and now you've got a stream that's all about reinforcing what I've been saying on this podcast, what others have said, that Pirates of the Caribbean is an overly complex sort of mess, that there's just too much going on in the game, and it's too hard to figure out how to play this pinball machine, and nothing about it is intuitive, and so then Jack Danger goes and basically reinforces all of that, because you left him to go figure it out on his own. And that's the problem. And then you've got this chat screen open where everyone's trying to explain what to do, but it's just not intuitive, all right? I mean, and if anyone's going to figure out or should be able to figure out how to play a game without needing an instruction booklet, you'd think it'd be Jack Danger since he plays pinball basically for a living. And think about it like this. If the game is inherently confusing to him, what do you think it will be like to a stranger who walks up to that game on location? All right. The other part that just like ridiculous, and this just goes to show, I just, I can't get over this, this part of the game. The 22 character selection screen, when you're playing with four people at a pinball show is the biggest buzzkill ever, ever. I've never seen a game have a a more long-winded way to get into the game. And the reason why it's so stupid is this. You've got 22 characters. It's not like when you play Street Fighter, all right? Think about a video game where there's character selection. Okay, there's usually a clock that counts down for like 10 seconds. You got to pick your character. When you go over your character in a Street Fighter game, does it tell you like the benefits of each character? No, you just you know how each character's fighting styles are and what their moves are. You just know that. And so they literally don't have a countdown clock on the character select screen because you have to go over each 
and every one of them and read the benefits. And then you have to memorize 22 different benefits for characters. I, I, I literally, I, I think that one thing to me shows how ridiculous the concept was of, of the coding of this game. And I think it's a complete failure, an absolute failure to code 22 character selects into a game. I mean, you play Deadpool, you're Deadpool. You play Batman and Robin, you're Batman and Robin. I, I, I don't understand this concept of a movie about Jack Sparrow. He's the main character. There's a main character. You, you, so you, you add 22 other characters to select from. You, and it's like so many of them are just obscure. I mean, these aren't even characters people will even remember or know about. You know, I just... I, look, I'll say something nice about the game. The game looks beautiful. The game looks absolutely gorgeous. It films so nice. The light show is incredible. It makes a stern light show embarrassing in comparison. A game looks great. It looks great. And that's why I'm saying the game's issue is not like what Eric did. All right? It's not. I mean, yes, I wish there was three spinning discs. But the game is gorgeous looking. The game's issue is Keith just went overboard. All right? Every time I see the ball roll off the top of the upper play field to the right, I just, I just like, it, it's like a metaphor for there's too much in this game. The other part that I just, like, it's it's like the compass on the apron to me is another example of just this game going overboard. It's like they just felt like they had to keep putting stuff in. Uh, wh- like, first of all, if that's a compass, why is it a rectangle? Like, I, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. A compass is round. Like, it's just little things like that. Little details like that are just, they just, it just seems so poor to me to, like, not, like, you don't need it either. Like, you could take out that little compass on the apron. And I keep asking people, why, why is it even there? Like, I play the game so much, and you don't, you don't really have time to look at it. The only time you can look at it is if you're trapping the ball. Okay, but then if your ball's trapped, and you want something to indicate to you what the best shot in the game is to hit. Okay, well, you know, lucky for us, in pinball, there's something called inserts and lights that could indicate to you which shot is the best one. So why do you need a compass on the apron that's telling you what to shoot at when the lights and the inserts could do that? Well, maybe you need that because you've got like 250 inserts that are all blinking at once in this game. Okay, but if the ball's trapped, couldn't you also put that on the big LCD screen? Do you really need another screen? You see what I'm saying? Or you could do the other thing that's that happens in pinball. You could do a call out, which tells you, hey, your best your best shot maybe is this. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's just too much. It's like they keep thinking the more we put into a game, the more we code into the game, the more inserts we put into the game, the more this, the more that, more, 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 more equals a better pinball experience. And I'm sorry, but this game has too much in it. They went overboard and it doesn't add up, all right, to a better experience. Speaking of the sales of JJP and where I think this game will fall, Jersey Jack, for some unknown reason, announced sales numbers at the Vancouver show. Now, if there's another practice that Stern Pinball never does, never does, you'll never see them do this. If this, this is, and this is another practice coming from the most um, successful pinball company in the world, and 
why would you do something like reveal your numbers? There's a reason Stern doesn't reveal its numbers, but Jersey Jack reveals his numbers. And it doesn't make any sense why he would do this because here's why it makes no sense. He basically said, we sold 4,000 Wizard of Oz pinball machines. We sold 2,000 Hobbits. We sold 1,600 dialed in. Now, here's Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, so what Jack is basically saying is that With every game, they keep going down in sales. Demand for his product keeps shrinking. All right. What, why would you tell people that? Why would you tell people that? You, you went from being, we went from being successful to like basically hop, basically saying Hobbit was a flop. Dialed in is the biggest flop in this company's history. We need to talk about the fact that you can't, this is why I say Oktoberfest is going to flop too because it doesn't matter how good your pinball machine is. Dialed in is one of the greatest pinball machines ever designed. It flopped. It flopped completely. Um, I would argue that Dialed in didn't just flop because of the theme. I think Dialed in flopped because uh, the game is not funny enough. The sense of humor in that game is just not there. They, I think they missed, they missed um, integrating it right. You know, the, the, the theme is, is what it is. But whenever I play dialed in, it just feels flat. It just feels emotionless. It feels soulless. There's something about that game that just doesn't connect. It doesn't pull you in with the call outs and with what's going on and the characters and all that stuff. Okay. But basically, you know, theme is really important. But the fact that they spent five years and spent God knows how much money making dialed in, ordered God knows how many parts for dialed in. I mean, how many parts do you think Jack ordered? Do you think he thought... I've got Pat Lawler. I'm going to let him make a machine for five years. I'm going to let him do dialed in. I'm not going to tell him to change the theme. I'm not going to ask him to make Toy Story first. I'm not going to do anything that makes sense. I'm going to let him go off on his own and release a game that's going to be a total sales flop. And I, the reason why it's a flop is, again, Pat Lawler, five years in the making, standard body, Jersey Jack pin. He had the pinball world waiting to throw money at this game. He had the pinball world waiting to buy it and they passed. And I think that Pirates of the Caribbean is going to end up somewhere around Hobbit dialed in. I don't think it's going to be successful. I don't think it's going to get anywhere near Wizard of Oz sales. And it's not just about a time thing. I think Wizard of Oz, if you look at all their games to date, um, it's still the best theme integration um, pinball machine he's ever released. And I'll say this, you, you play Wizard of Oz, you see clips from the Wizard of Oz movie, all the call-outs are from the movie. It doesn't feel one-dimensional the way Pirates is going to feel with just the one, you know, you don't really feel like you're playing the movies. You don't. Um, it's, it's, you know, it, it's just not going to, you can't do that. The LCD, the way it is. Hobbit has great theme integration too. The Hobbit's failure was that the movie sucked. People won't admit this, but the Hobbit films were terrible. They left a bad taste in everyone's mouth who liked Lord of the Rings franchise. Terrible films. And that goes a long way. You know, you're making a game based on movies that people just don't like. When you see clips from the Hobbit movies, they don't 
they don't move you the way clips from the Lord of the Rings films move you. Uh, and I also think Hobbit's design is, is pretty atrocious. I mean, let's be honest. All, all of that, uh, all of that world coming to life, and they literally, they gave us a, a puppet head dragon. And I think Smaug was the main reason. When people saw that dragon, and Jack had been boasting about how people were going to be blown away by the Smaug toy, the fact that it wasn't even a bash toy and it was just like a little talking puppet head, uh, I think once people saw that, these, the, um, the air left the room, the wind left the sails, people's enthusiasm for Hobbit just dissipated. And the game was just not, it's not a very good shooter. Uh, it's not very interesting layout, okay? But still, it's sold better than Dialed In, which is probably one of the greatest pinball designs we've seen in a long time. And so it just goes to show how important theme is. All right, and I think, look, Pirates of the Caribbean, again, if you think about how important theme is, this is not a, a movie franchise people love anymore. It, it, there's no enthusiasm for it. It's, it. It won't go down the first couple films, maybe, but even so, Johnny Depp's popularity is at an all-time low. People don't talk about this game. They, 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 these movies won't go down as classics for much longer. Maybe only the first film. And, and again, if they only made the first film into a pinball game again, but in a modern spin, that would have been better. I, I think trying to make a, a game based on five movies is too much, and that's why we got this overly complex mess. And, 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 and that's my opinion about the game. Now, if you like the game, go buy it. Uh, we all want Jersey Jack to succeed. We do. All of us do. Because we know they're going to make such amazing games. Like, yeah, we're all always excited for the next game. The next Jersey Jack game is always the one we really want. I just want the future games that we imagine to be as good as the present games they deliver. And that's always been my problem with Jersey Jack. Is they always fail to meet our high expectations of the company. You know, Willy Wonka better be fucking amazing because we expect it to be. But nothing, and I mean this, nothing, I think has people more excited than Pat Lawler making Toy Story. And I, I think it was really bad uh, news when they decided to switch the two releases. And I think the reason they switched it, and I'm hearing this, is they don't have the license for Toy Story the way they do for Wonka. And Jack is fearful to launch another game without the voices from the actors and the clips from the movie. Because imagine a clip from a Toy Story movie. Okay, imagine that without Tom Hanks and, and, um, you know, and Tim Allen. I, I mean, imagine that. It, it's just, it, it just won't, it won't... You can't do that. You can't take an iconic movie scene and change the voices in it. it. It would just be horrible. And I think he's up against that, again, with Toy Story. So I, I, just, I just get worried. I, I'm worried, but you know, as we said, he's got the billionaire investor and all that, so nothing really matters because Jersey Jack can keep losing money on every game, and they're going to be okay. Here's the thing, though. If I was this billionaire investor, and I'm looking at these sales numbers, because think about when this guy got on board. He got on board to bail them out to get to... Hobbit, right? Because we were not going to see Hobbit. Everyone needs to understand that this company should have gone out of business after just one title. One title. They lost. They were out of money. They could not afford to make the Hobbit. So this guy bails them out and, and then sees that the Hobbit didn't sell well. 
Okay, so then he he goes on to to you know to get them financially ready to release Dialed In. It flops for the most part, this, and this is why Jack had to show Pirates early because the guy was just getting fed up because the Hobbit you know Dialed In sales aren't through the roof, Hobbit sales aren't great, and then okay, but we're going to show Pirates of the Caribbean, and Jack shows it almost a year early, and now sales uh, you know demand for that game is all but dried up, and so. I just think, again, it's kind of comical. Now, you know what's even more funny? Is that during his seminar, Jack said to the crowd, and and I'm paraphrasing, he said, we're at the point now where we reveal a game and then ship it. That's where Jersey Jack Pinball is at. And our good friend Jonathan Joustin from Pinball Magazine stood up and asked him, then why haven't you shipped Pirates? It's been almost a year, okay? And so it's like, is Jack just like, living in la la land is he like delusional does he not understand how badly he fucked up the pirates of the caribbean revealed and launch he fucked it up meanwhile stern is there selling deadpools making money hand over fist and you know gary stern and george gomez will profit more off deadpool than than uh these guys will ever profit off of pirates of the caribbean and it's just like if i was this billionaire if I was this billionaire and I had all this money, all this money to spend, you know where I would spend it? I would go get George Gomez to run my company. He, I, I almost feel like Jack needs to be replaced at the top of this company as the creative visionary leader of this company. I just don't think he gets it. And I think he, I, I mean, I love Jack as a person. Don't get me wrong. I love Jack as a person. He started this company. This is his company's vision, all right? But it's at the point now where I feel like this company would be much more successful with someone else at the helm. They've established the kind of games they want to make. And let me tell you this. It's the kind of games we all want, you know, minus the wide body. I think that's another bad marketing decision. But the Jersey Jack quality and caliber of games, right? What they're willing to put into these games. It's what all of us want. This is the modern version of Bally Williams Pinball. And it's what we all want. It's just being led astray with poor management and poor decision making. It is poor decision making. When Jack walks into a room and Keith is like, I'm going to let you select between 22 characters. Who the fuck says yes, go with that? You think George Gomez would say go with that? Do you really think he would? It's like it's like Keith's motto is, you know, whenever I decide to code a game, I'm going to make it so it alienates 95% of the pinball buying community. No. You can't make these games for like the Roto Daves and the 1% of people who can actually figure it all out and are, and and want to like memorize like incredibly long like rule books. It's stupid. The genius of Lyman Sheets. How much better does Lyman Sheets look than Keith right now? I mean, Lyman's Batman. The genius of Lyman is he makes a game that within the first couple minutes, intuitive things pop out to the casual player who doesn't know a lot about pinball. And you can enjoy his game on a very surface level, very simply, immediately. You'll get to stuff immediately. Things will happen immediately. It's enjoyable. I mean, think about how quickly you can get the the penguin crane going. All right, just two shots. It's moving. And you answer the phone. It's moving. That's it. That's all you need to do. Uh, Try to explain to people, like, how do you fire the cannon? When I was watching Jersey Jack... Uh, and Jack Danger stream this thing, uh, like no one ever got the cannon shot. So you've got this thing in there that is like 
It's so hard to get to. It's so hard to get to. So anyway, look, I just think, uh, I, you know, like I hope they figure it out. I, and and I'm, I'm getting tired of hoping they figure it out. How many titles do they get to make before they make a great game that people want, that flies off the shelves, that is like a sales bonanza? They need it. They need it. But I think they need to put a new creative lead in charge of the company that gets it. All right. Let's go on to Stern Pinball. Um, I'm hearing a little bit of mixed reviews about Deadpool. You know, some people are saying it's clunky. Some people saying it's not. Uh, Jack Danger streamed the premium uh, the other day. And I have to say, um, you know, I just don't see the reason to get anything other than a Deadpool Pro on this one. Uh, usually there's a little bit more in the premium LEs that make make you want it. But Stern is really starting to do something interesting. They're really starting... It's not interesting. It's just a reality. I think they're really starting to make these games pretty, you know, pretty similar between pro and LE and premium. And they're they're taking more and more out of the games to the point where, you know, I think it's... It, to me, it's not about... To me, this is what's happening. It's not about the pro having more. It actually is about the premium and LEs have so much less exciting stuff being put into them. To me, that's what's happening. And when I look at what they're putting into the more expensive versions, it's like they're taking so much stuff out. And I think they're doing that because, you know, they realize it's a lot cheaper. It's a lot easier to get people to go in when the only thing you have to do differently is change the art or change the piece of glass or cha- put a shaker motor in it like the or you know side art blades like it's 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 kind of sucks i it's you know there used to be a time when like the LEs really had like LE features uh it's we're not there anymore and i think because of that i just see no reason to buy a, a Deadpool uh premium or LE I, I just don't and i think the art package on the pro looks phenomenal put some new armor on it and you're good to go you'll you'll be enjoying the same game uh you know Coding, and I, I noticed this. It's like, how far along is this game? Because uh, you know, you get like the marketing spin, which is like, well, it's point eight two or eight three. Now, I think what Stern's doing also is they're using the code number as total marketing spin these days. When you see something that's like, you think it's like, oh, it's 83% done, which means it's like almost there. It's not complete. Um, there's some polish to be done, but it's still a very playable and enjoyable game. But I'm not so sure anymore. I'm not so sure. I start, I'm starting to think that that number is very, very misleading. And the reason why it's misleading is is basically, you know, nowadays when they do code updates, it's only in increments of like point. right? So it goes from 0.83 to 0.84. So if you go that route, that means there could possibly be almost 20 code updates for this game before it's done. Now, how long would that many code updates take? That could take two years before Deadpool is finally finished. And it really is, look, all all joking aside, I think it's kind of sad that products are sold to consumers before they're totally finished and and it just it makes absolutely no sense uh, that consumers have to get these games unfinished wait years for them to be complete and by the time they are complete you're already fatigued about it and here's why here's why because a pinball machine you will get tired of shooting it 
you will get bored of shooting it. And it's not because you've got through the code. It's just, you know, there's only so much you can play a pinball machine before you've played it enough. Uh, but it just sucks that the majority of time, a lot of people own these stern games. A majority of the time, people are not even playing the final version of the game. And they're, they're waiting for it. I mean, ask Ghostbuster owners what it feels like. I mean, with two, three years later, they're going to get around to working on the code again. And you really think there's going to be a lot of focus on that code? Um, so I, I think Stern continues to do this. And you know what? The only people we have to blame for that are the buyers. Because if people keep buying, they'll keep doing it. The other thing is, there's no competitor out there that is releasing games frequently enough with completed code uh, to really make Stern change its business model. Because they're still making these games the way they did for the arcade owner or the operator, right? Because who cares if you put a Deadpool on location and it's like half done code-wise? Like People are still going to put a buck in it, play it, drain, and move on. I mean, that, that's the casual like arcade pinball player. Uh, it's when you get to the home environment where it's really um, much more apparent that the game is not complete and that you, it, there's a lot to, to go to make it a rewarding thing to own, right? You're owning... The fact that you could own a $9,000 toy that doesn't work properly for two years is so stupid. And that's why I do make fun of this hobby a lot because I do think we are all kind of dumb that we buy these toys incomplete. All right. People have said there might be some clunkiness in Deadpool. Um, you know, like, I think the word clunkiness is thrown around a lot in pinball, and pinball is a clunky toy to begin with. I mean, it, like, literally, it's like saying, hey, basketball is a clunky sport. Yeah, it's clunky unless you swish the ball, but the ball rattles around the rim and this and that. Uh, I think some games are much clunkier than others, though. I do agree that, the you know, it's when the, it's seemingly when the ball, like, is rattling back and forth, you know, when it when it when you hit a good shot, but like the ball doesn't go smoothly through an area of the game, uh, and I think we're hearing that with the the shot up to that to lock the ball in the ramp, uh, sorry, in the sword. So, all right, what else is going on in Stern World? Lots of monster speculation going on. We know monsters is happening. The artwork that you're seeing uh, that leaked from Franchi's uh, World of Art is is the game. I don't know if they made changes or not. That is really those are really old images. So there's probably changes that might happen. A game looks great. We know nothing else. We know it's Dwight on there and uh Borg. I'm concerned about the Dwight part. I think Borg and uh Franchi have me really excited. I think Dwight has me really nervous. You know why? Because I heard that Dwight considers Star Wars to be his greatest masterpiece. And I think Star Wars, again, is one of the most poorly conceived game codes of all time. Uh, I wish it were Lyman Sheets. I think Batman and Munsters go together because of the Franchi art. And it's like the old sort of TV shows. And they're going to have all the clips. And I think they would be perfect together. I don't think Munsters is going to be anywhere nearly the game that Batman is due to the coding. Um, Now, I hope Borg goes to town on the design I think he will and I there has to be there has to be a staircase somewhere in the game with a dragon under the stairs I keep hearing there's a lower play field in this game I hope that's true because isn't isn't it time Stern went back to some upper and lower play fields that were kind of awesome I think these single layer games are just not worth the money when you want to charge what they're charging all right 
the Beatles. Uh, nothing new there. Uh, nothing to report. Uh, there will be a Star Wars topper coming. And you could just add in the sound of crickets around that one. It's, apparently, they've, they've, they've sent it over for final approval. Congratulations, Stern. Uh, only took about like 18 months for you guys to get a goddamn topper made. I can't believe it's taken so long. It's it's a- absolutely comical. Um, Batman 66. There's a rumor that they're going to stop making it. And I want to tell you guys, do not believe that rumor. Don't believe that kind of bullshit. That's just marketing hype to sell more games. I mean, seriously, they know the code is great now. They probably want more people to buy it because of how good the code is. But tell, like, telling people, hey, we're going to stop making Batman, it's bullshit. You know why it's bullshit? Because Stern does, is not in the business where they ever stop making anything. They'll just rerun it again. They'll just make a Batgirl version of it and rerun it like Lucy. Like, they'll just remake it. So I just wouldn't fall into that trap. I, I, I think you should play the game if you haven't in a w- long time. But I wouldn't buy into that kind of bullshit. All right. Deep Root Pinball. Uh, our friend Iceman drove by the facility and said it's really big. Okay, so there's a lot going there's there's a lot going on size-wise with the size of the deep root factory. And then you go into the deep root uh, pin side thread and there's just a lot of bickering and trolling and nonsensity nonsensity nonsensical stuff. Sorry guys, it's like 6 in the morning here. Nonsensical conversation going on. And I just want to say I, I I wish Robert would actually get some moderation from the pin side moderator staff in his in his own thread because I just don't think it's fair. Uh, I think these guys deserve a chance to be successful. I think they deserve a chance to show us what they're working on. And I, I think they deserve that because they haven't taken anyone's money. And they're doing stuff the right way. They're staying quiet. They're keeping things secret. Nobody knows what the titles are that everyone's working on. That's how you run a pinball company. I have to give Robert credit for keeping his people in line and in order and and you know and that's probably because of the threat of NDA and that's how it should be okay that's how grown up men work in companies where trade secrets are really important to keep secret okay if i told like Coors or Miller what our plans were for Budweiser Super Bowl i'd be fired tomorrow okay all right so look i also think like there's a lot of bickering about Deep root funds and Robert and, and it's just it, it, you know people just need to wait and see what these guys do. All right, I I I, I just think we're gonna see stuff soon. Uh, TPF the five days of deep root are uh, are gonna come up faster than you think. But I know a little stuff might be shown at Expo. But again, if I were Robert and I was him. I would stay secret. I don't think there's any benefit of showing anything at Expo. I, I think you wait to show your hand when you're when when it's time to sh- to make games. I I, I I don't think early teases matter at all in the pinball hobby. They just don't. They don't. Not if you're going to make unlimited numbers of games. I think early teases work if you're only going to make a very limited number of a machine. All right, and I think that's the only time I would go early. All right, Dutch Pinball. There's no news other than the news we talked about before. I think people are starting to realize that it's over. Like when, when, the, when the only people trying to work on a solution to your company's problem are the lawyers, you're fucked. 
The lawyers will love to give you false hope so that they can keep billing you for their legal time. That's what lawyers do. They're like consultants. They realize there's more money in prolonging the problem than actually solving it. Now, here's what's going to happen. The ARA lawyer and the Dutch pinball lawyer are going to go out to lunch, right? And what's going to happen? They're going to have a very simple conversation. So the the ARA lawyer is going to say, look, thank you for taking the time. This is great. Here's the thing. We can work things out. The only issue is uh, we need $500,000 for past games that we've built and money that is owed to us. So we'd be happy to move forward if we can get a check for that. And then the Dutch pinball lawyer says, okay, um, I've got 50 bucks. That's all this company's got. We're, we're, it's, they're done. They're out of money. And then the Dutch pinball lawyer says, hey, waiter, how many martinis can I get for $50? And that's, sh- and that's it. This shit's, you're not getting your games. You're not getting your games. This, this thing is the biggest joke in pinball. Um, Chicago Gaming Company, Monster Bash remake. Are we going to see it September 15th? Uh, that's the rumor. Maybe it's the 14th, which would make more sense, which is next Friday or this coming Friday. I don't know what they're waiting for. I don't really care. I'm excited to see it. I think it's going to sell well. Uh, but I also think that they waited really, really long time. Now, also to their benefit, we don't talk about the flip side of this. It's to their benefit that Charlie and Jack also fumbled their freaking launches so poorly, right? It's it's amazing. It's like it's like it's like Chicago Gaming Company, Jersey Jack Pinball, and Spooky Pinball are all in a race with each other to see who can ship their game fucking last. Like who can fumble the reveal and launch the worst. Uh, unbelievable. And meanwhile, Stern Pinball is putting games in boxes, shipping games to customers who are happy with what they buy and they're on to the next. It is, it is unreal what Stern has done. Iron Maiden, Deadpool, Munsters, Beetle. Okay, just those four games alone. Just those four games alone. We will see in like an eighth month period. Four games in eight months that you're going to be able to see and buy, touch, feel, make love to, sleep inside the cabinet. Four games, okay? How many, how many years has it taken Jersey Jack Pinball to make four games, okay? The other part that's magical, you can buy all four of those games when they're all out at the same time. They're all available, And then what happens from there is we're then excited about the next four games Stern will show in 2019. And it goes on and on and on. And you start to realize why Stern Pinball has no competition. While these other manufacturers continue to do it all wrong. They will show the game early. It won't be ready. They'll try to do too much. And they don't understand that theme means everything. I think Stern gets a theme and art. Theme and art. If you can nail those, uh, you know, you're in a good place. Everything else is gravy. All right, everyone. That was my Sunday morning episode 260 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Thank you for listening. I do appreciate uh, everything um, that you guys share with me about pinball. I do appreciate all the friends I've made in this hobby. Um, I do want to say our, our thoughts and prayers go out to Marty. I, I didn't know this when I did my last podcast, but I heard from Ryan that, that Marty had a loss in the family 
over at Head to Head Pinball, and I, I didn't see it anywhere. I didn't I didn't hear about it on their show. I didn't see it on on the pin side thread. And I it's it's it sucks when you lose someone you love, and it puts a lot of stuff in perspective. Uh, so I know that's why they didn't record an episode. So Marty, I just want to say, um, you know, you're in our thoughts and prayers, brother, and and I hope you guys are 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 doing okay. I mean, that's that sucks, man. I really I'm sorry. Um, trying to think what else um i will be donating next week the money that i said i would donate to the cervical cancer um for dahlia again want to keep her in our thoughts and prayers uh, as she struggles with 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 what she's going through it's terrible but listen to that episode because um i want to at least get the you know i want to at least give like 200 bucks if we get to 2,000 listens um so please uh if you know support that good cause and what else do we got here let's just let's call it a day enjoy football today uh again everyone it's just pinball it's a fun thing to think about fun thing to play fun thing to talk about uh, but you know life is more important and i mean it when i say this take care of yourselves all of you guys out there take care of yourselves um we'll talk to you real soon but we have to end this episode with this is what the song i think that's going to be playing at American Pinball when they realized they made the biggest mistake. And it's just, just picture the scene. It's like Davel, Joe Balser, and Josh Kugler um, playing this song, dancing around in a circle as they realize uh, that they basically sunk their own company by picking Oktoberfest. Yeah.